Thanks, guys. The, uh, I should tell you that uh, I want to, I missed this at the beginning part of it, but uh, for those of you who are watching online, you're streaming online, we want you to know that you were welcoming and we're glad that you're here. Uh, if we haven't had the chance to meet, if you're here in person or, or if you're online, my name is Brian Robertson. I'm the lead pastor here at the church and I'd love to get to know you a little bit more. So if you're here in person, I'll be up here in the front and you can come up and introduce yourself a little bit. If you're online, you can just make a comment uh, and we'll be able to follow up with you uh, as we go from there. Kids, you guys are now dismissed to go to your guys' classrooms. Enjoy the rest of the morning for what your teachers have uh, in store for you over there. Uh, this morning we have a conversation I want to get to here in a few minutes. You'll see these stools that are up here on my, uh, behind me. So I want to get to these conversation in a little bit. It's one I'm kind of excited to have and to share with you as we t- talk about developing a cross-cultural community, about what that looks like for us as a community here at Crossroads. Uh, and that kind of community would transform our lives, not only us individually, but us as a community to reflect kingdom values to reflect the value of the kingdom of God. But before we get to the interview and the kind of conversation that we have planned, I want us to see Jesus' vision for a kingdom that is built on cross-cultural understanding, that crosses cultural barriers, uh, that we see this vision that Jesus has for his kingdom. So if you have your journals with you, your call journals, you're gonna, that would be really helpful for you. I'm going to have a handful of passages of Scripture. I'm not going to be able to get to all of them this morning because I want to get to this conversation in just a minute. So uh, I'm going to give them kind of in rapid succession. You can kind of write those down and look them up at other times. But these are good references for you to think about, for you to be processing what does it look like to be a part of God's kingdom, what he's doing on this earth, and what he's doing to prepare us to be kingdom people for the rest of eternity. And when we talk about becoming a cross-cultural community to transmit hope, to proclaim and demonstrate the reality and the goodness of Jesus' kingdom by learning to live cross-culturally, what we're talking about is crossing barriers, crossing division that is reflective in the heart of God and reflective in the early church, reflective in the early church's writings and the scriptures. This is what the Apostle Paul was getting at in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 27, when he writes this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying is that the lines that seek to divide us have been done away with in Christ. That in Christ, all the lines that seek to divide and set us at odds with one another have been done away with in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. All the lines that seek to divide us have been done away with for all are one in Christ. At the cross, he unites us in one people. And if we were to transmit hope to a world around us that is so wrought with division and hostility and violence one against another, if we're going to proclaim hope to a world like that, it doesn't have to just be our words. It can't be just our words. If we're going to bring hope to a world like that, it's going to need to be demonstrated in our lives. We're going to need to demonstrate a different way of living than the way in which our world lives with such harsh lines of division. One way in which we demonstrate that is we lay aside the things that seek to divide us and we learn to live united in Christ. Brothers and sisters in a new family, in a new, uh, new community of people that God is bringing together. 
one that is unified regardless of race, regardless of socioeconomic status, regardless of your zip code, regardless of where you live, regardless of any barrier that seeks to divide us, we are one family with one Lord, with one King, with one head, and that is Christ. And if the world around us, if there's any, any hope for the world around us to live in more harmony rather than discord and violence, if there's any hope for our world to live with more of a unified kind of experience in the world, then it's going to take the church to lead the way. It's going to take God's people to lead the way in kingdom ways of learning to cross over cultural barriers where those lines that seek to divide us are done away with in Christ. Is that kind of cross-cultural community that echoes the heart of God. And if there's ever any hope for this world, it's going to take God's people to demonstrate, to proclaim it, and to demonstrate it in our very lives. And that echoes the heart of God. That echoes the mission of God. You can't get much more cross-cultural than the incarnation of Jesus. Incarnation is a theological term that we use to describe the enfleshment, the how God, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, the eternal God, became human, became a part of us. He took on flesh, or he incarnated himself to be with us. He crossed over barriers that could not have been crossed by anyone else to be with us, to be among us. The gospel writer of John, who writes this and begins his gospel, John chapter 1, this way, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. And then just a few verses later in verse 14, John says, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. In the incarnation, Jesus declares good news, that God sees our need and he crosses the barriers to come to us to invite us to an eternal life with him. That in the incarnation, Jesus demonstrates the reality of God's love for us who would see us and cross all barriers to come and be with us, to be identified next to us the, the message translation of John chapter 1 says that Jesus came uh, and moved into the neighborhood, came close to us. Can't get much more cross-cultural than following the ways of Jesus when he in, in the incarnation that he comes near us. But not only does Jesus proclaim that God's good eternal kingdom is available to us, he demonstrates it not only in his incarnation, but in his life and his ministry and his teaching all the way around. That brings us good news, that there's a different way of living in this world, not so divided and lines that, that seek to pit one against the other, but one that is united in him. United in him. John chapter 10, here you go. Here's all these verses you might want to jot down. John chapter 10, Jesus is speaking to a primarily Jewish crowd here, and he's describing himself as the good shepherd. We looked at this a few months ago at our I Am series, when we looked at the I Am statements of Jesus. He declares that there are sheep that are not of this fold, that he's going to need to bring them in as well, and that there will be one flock made up of multiple people, one flock and one shepherd, that Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is speaking that there will be a time when he will unite people from other people groups under one flock, under one family, under his leadership, that there will be one flock and one Lord, one shepherd, that is Christ. 
In John chapter 4, Jesus has an incredible encounter with a Samaritan woman. And I don't have time to get into all of that, but there's animosity between Jews and Samaritans. There's cultural and racial division between Jews and Samaritans. But Jesus intentionally goes to where she is, intentionally crosses the barrier between Jews and, and, and Samaritans, and he engages in a conversation with her. And as a result of his conversation, many people in her town become followers of him, become believers in Jesus, and they have their lives transformed as a result. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13 tells of a Roman centurion coming to Jesus who has a servant who needs to be healed. And Jesus commends this Roman centurion for his faith, and he heals his servant. This is what Jesus prays for in John chapter 17, verses 20 to 23, that his people, much from various backgrounds, be united together, and that because of their unitedness, because of their togetherness, they would testify to the world around them that Jesus is indeed the, God, the Son of God and the second person of the Trinity, that he is indeed the Savior, the Redeemer. This is what Jesus prays for, for us, for his people to be united under the kingship of Jesus. But that kind of cross-cultural experience continued not only in Jesus' life and ministry, but in his followers in the early church, in the earliest writings of the church. We see this kind of understanding of crossing over cultural barriers is essential to their life. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40, you see Philip has an encounter with an Ethiopian crossing the cultural barriers. And in the process of this encounter, he's able to understand and to share the hope that we have in Jesus for eternal life and for life eternal with, with him and his kingdom. And this Ethiopian comes to faith as a result of crossing barriers. Acts chapter 10 tells the story of Peter receiving this vision of a couple of times that leads him, clearly leading him to the, the home of Cornelius. And again, a centurion crossing over the barriers where Peter at first said, I don't think I should do this, but the vision is very clear and it leads him to cross over the cultural barriers. And of course we see the vision that we heard in scriptures in John's description of eternity in Revelation chapter 7. Every tribe, tongue, and nation are gathered at the throne room of God forever declaring the glory of his name. This is the vision of the kingdom of God. This is the hope that we transmit when we learn to live cross-culturally. When we seek to live in a, in a community that's cross-cultural, from crossing the lines of race, crossing the lines of socioeconomics, crossing the lines of gender, crossing the lines that seek to divide us, and we learn to, learn to live united, well, then we can demonstrate a different way. And we can demonstrate the hope that is in Christ for a new community, a new kingdom under his lordship, under his kingship that will last for eternity. But just because you say something and just because you get passionate about something doesn't make it true doesn't make it a reality. We can talk about this all day, but just because we talk about it and get a little excited about it doesn't mean when we walk out that all of a sudden those lines are gone like that. There are mountains upon mountains of stereotypes that every one of us have that keep us distanced from one another. And each one of those stereotypes, every one of those mountains of, of prejudice need to be dismantled one at a time. And it takes work. And it takes time. It takes humility. And some of these mountains, some of these stereotypes, we're, we're just not aware of all of them. So we need to take the time, take the work, take the humility, and take the courage to walk towards someone, to push past the awkward conversation, to walk towards someone of a different culture, 
to learn to listen to them. As Jesus shows us in the incarnation to, to put ourselves in their place, to learn to see the world from their perspective, to not just keep at a distance, but to draw near. To draw near. Jesus incarnates himself. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Among us. With us. As we follow the ways of Jesus, as we follow the ways of Jesus who cross over cultural barriers and we follow that way and we begin to cross over those barriers, then we have the potential to see our hearts being transformed into his image, to grow in compassion, to grow in love, and to grow in unity with one another. But to be in a cross-cultural community like that, like I said, is going to take some time. It's going to take work. It's going to take intentional steps of moving toward one another. But when we do so, we have a powerful witness to the world around us that always seeks to divide us and play us the, the us and them and pit one person against another person. But when we intentionally take steps to follow Christ and to follow the way of the one who crosses over barriers, then we will demonstrate, not just proclaim, but we will demonstrate a better way of living, a way that is reflective of the kingdom of God. And I just want you to know this that I have been praying for that reality in this church family for a number of years. And I continue to pray that it would be a, a, an experience of us individually, families, and corporately, that we would take strides, take intentional steps to grow in this way. To grow in the way of the kingdom by, by expression of cross-cultural community. As I mentioned, we have this conversation that I want to get to because the last few weeks we started what is known kind of the first one of these cultural learning groups here at Crossroads. There's a gathering of about 20 people, uh, diverse people, both men and women, younger and seasoned. Thanks, Bonnie. We'll say seasoned people, right? They represent, in this group of about 20 or so people, they represent four different ethnicities in this group. And we have done the work of intentionally entering into the conversation of race and racism. And we seek to understand better one another and understand their stories, understand their pain, and understand their hurt, and understand where they're growing and where they're coming from. To seek to demonstrate the oneness that Jesus prayed for in John 17. We're taking steps intentionally to grow in that. It's just a very practical way for us to not talk a lot about it, but to begin to do something, to take one intentional step towards cross-cultural community. And so I've invited a couple of people that are in that group, Bill Cook and Aaron McLaurin, to come and join me for the little conversation about what our experience in this group has been. So Bill, Aaron, why don't you guys come on up and we'll talk a little bit. You guys can welcome them as they come up and share with us. I'm going to put this behind here, so hopefully it doesn't distract us too much. Thanks, guys, for being willing to enter this kind of conversation out here and stuff. Uh, and you can tell you that. Also, oh. we can hear you. There you go. There you go. Caught up on your glasses and everything. Perfect. Uh, hey, real quickly, uh, just the, this first question to kind of start off with. Uh, this invitation to be a part of this cultural learning group was out for people. Uh, we talked about it at church. We, we made some phone calls, invited you, and those, those kind of things. So what, what made you say yes 
to take that step to be a part of this group uh, uh, for these 10 weeks that we're going to gather together. So Aaron, I'll start with you, and then Bill will come over to you, okay? <clears throat> Sorry. You're good. Um, I thought it would be uh, interesting, and, uh, and I thought it would be a great learning experience to uh, talk about culture um, and with some of the things that's going on right now in today's society, uh, I thought it would be great. I thought it was perfect timing coming from Pastor uh, Brian to be able to sit down in a group and to be able to share and to be able to hear some other insights and to be able to see what the scripture says about it. And so I was excited, me and my wife, to be a part of the class and to learn and give some insight ourselves. So good. Thanks. Bill, how about you? Why why'd you say yes? There's probably three reasons, and I'll make them quick this time. Uh, <laughs> the way it was presented here at church is the primary reason. Uh, it was presented as a group, small group, that would, would share their feelings and their conversations and be able to develop more than just a surface thing and, and more than just uh, worrying about whether you worded that exactly right and whether you left the right impression. Uh, that that was the primary reason, just to learn more about the cultures and to be able to to be protected by being able to come right back and explain yourself further. Mm -hmm. uh, second reason is like uh, a lot of them in the group. Uh, I'm from a small, under a thousand people community. I don't have much contact with with other races, quite frankly. Uh, and this gave me that opportunity uh, to, to learn about that. Uh, the third one was, uh, I don't know what the third one was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the third one was uh, the most important one, really. Uh, I've got two members, or we've got two members of our families that are husband and wife to our daughter and son who are colored, who are black. And uh, it's, been, it's been good for me. Uh, I'm just trying to follow up with some of the conversations we have. I have a real good dialect with the son-in-law. Uh, he's always quizzing me how this is going here. He, he wants to know how... How things are progressing and what what's the feeling? So, uh, those are the three reasons. Good, thanks, Bill. We've talked a lot about in the group, but we've also talked at church that that sometimes people can be hesitant to go into and have uh, reservations for going into this kind of conversation, and uh, in particular, just kind of uh, um, not just cultural in general, but in particular because of what's been going on. In our in our country, right and stuff. So, uh, share a little bit, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, why do you think maybe people are hesitant to talk about race, to talk about the issues that surround race? Um, so, Aaron, we'll talk to you first, and then Bill, maybe you want to fill in a little bit. So, why might people be hesitant? Yeah, um, I believe some of the reasons why some people would be hesitant to uh, talk about race is uh, <clears throat> because, first of all. Uh, we, we live in a time to where 
you know, most of our friends are different colors. We, mm. we, we know many different people, me particularly. I mean, you're a really good buddy of mine, and uh, I got a few other people. And so uh, and some of the stuff that society says is, is uncomfortable. It uh, puts you in an co uncomfortable conversation. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a conversation that needs to uh, be had or said. Uh, because, you know, it gives God an opportunity to uh, get some things out of us, uh, get confusion out of us so that he can make sense of it. And so it could be uncomfortable because you just don't know how another person is going to receive what it is that you're saying mm -hmm. or how you feel about them. Here we go out, we talk, we do this and we do that. And then I may say, hey, uh, I think you're this or you're that. And then it's like, Man, how could you say something like that? Mm. You know, we're buddies, we're friends, and uh, you've been around me my entire life, and I've been around you your entire life. And, and so it can be very uncomfortable when it comes down to stuff like that. It can be very uncomfortable uh, when certain conversations come about and uh, emotions because of something that you've experienced in your past or mm -hmm. something that you may be experiencing right now. Uh, and you couldn't quite put your finger on it, but now you watch this video inside the class or somebody inside the class, you know, may make mention of something. It's now that light bulbs goes off in your head and it's like, wow, that makes perfect sense. So is that what I think it is? And so it could bring all kinds of uncomfortableness and, and all kinds of uh, tension. But at the end of the day, I think getting that out, getting that on the table, holding those conversations has been a very good thing and I, you know I, I love it good thanks Anthony. Bill, why, why do you think maybe people be hesitant to talk about race or or talk about crossing that barrier i think aaron covered it very well uh who were uncomfortable because of what i said earlier you say certain things and that was not your intention at all mm -hmm. to come out as it did it's misinterpreted and so you're "Quote unquote," walking on eggshells, or you're 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 fearful that you're going to uh, communicate something that that wasn't your intention. Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, I'll make this one shorter too. That the one thing that stands out in in the group so far is a talk about about the second week about ethnicity, and we were struggling a little bit with with what that really meant, and a good many of us basically said the same as I did, uh, doesn't mean anything to me. It, uh, family trees, which is what we kind of settled in on, uh, they're not that important. What's, what's the big deal, so to speak? I know my grandpa, and that's as far as it goes. I knew my dad and, and myself, and, and that's, that's it. And, and we've kind of valued ourselves, I think, in terms of what are you contributing? How are you helping? What are you doing? Not did your father come over on the, the Mayflower and was he a prisoner over in England? Uh, but that to me, the individual in the class said, well, that's nice, but if you're interested in, in your family tree, you can go back. I can't. And it did matter to him some, and he said, I can't. I can only go back to a slave ship somewhere. And that made me aware that you have to be careful what you say 
no intention at all of, of being disrespectful or anything, just being a little bit flippant about, about the value of something. And I've really super enjoyed the class because of what Aaron said. We, we get to go a little deeper, and I've enjoyed that. Well, it's, it's, in, it's interesting because both of you have said this, but it's the aspect of having the conversation, whether I knew you or I'm getting to know you. And, and so sometimes we hesitate because if I don't know you very well, I may sound flippant or I may sound, and that's not my intention, but the beauty of something like this is that we can talk about it. And we can go, hey, man, that, that was kind of hurtful the way you said that. Or that was, and we, we don't leave, right? We don't, we don't just take our ball and go home, you know, that kind of thing. We, we stay engaged, and over the process, we go, that's something we're, we're, we're working with. That's so that, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's one of my benefits or one of the things I've been noticing as well is being able to see that kind of uh, conversation happen uh, uh, throughout the weeks. Throughout the weeks, uh, talk real briefly. Just talk about um, how has the and you mentioned this a little bit, Bill. So I don't know if you have something else, but um, how has this group or this conversation spurred you to have more uh, Christ-like compassion or Christ-like um, identity or kind of uh, pursuit of His ways? Being in this kind of conversation, and maybe it's what you were saying just right then, but I don't know if you had anything else that you wanted to add to it. And then Aaron, I'll have you share a little bit. Well, there's a situation, for lack of a better word, uh, just this morning that an individual uh, gave this certain error or first impression. And uh, I think, I know 20 years ago, uh, maybe two weeks ago, but I don't think quite so much, mm-hmm. uh, I would have been... A, taken aback a little bit about the actions. I would have thought it was uh, misrepresenting or or disrespecting the church. And uh, I I didn't have those thoughts because I recognized, even though color wasn't involved whatsoever, uh, I recognized that that person, guess what, he's different than me. Uh, And probably that's a good thing. But at any rate, uh, I think I'm... I'm being Christ-like to the extent that I'm not looking at the, the appearance or even the actions of that person. Hmm. Uh, I'm looking at, just looking at that person and trying to see some good. Good. Awesome. Thanks, Bill. Aaron, how about you? Well, I, w- I would agree with Bill. I think, uh, <clears throat> sorry, guys. I believe God is uh, really swelling up in the class. He's, he's really swelling up. On the inside of us, uh, and what I mean by that, God swells up. Anytime when you have two or three gathered, uh, like we've been and talked about some of the issues where there's tension and there, uh, well, it could be tension and, and some things that are actually taking place inside the community, and I believe that's just a good place for God to really come in if you allow him mm-hmm. and to really swell up. And um, there's been a couple times to where it was very passionate. It was, you know, we, we shared some stories and you felt the spirit of God to come in there, and uh, he really touched each and every one of us. Uh, we was able to hold, open up some conversation, and God was able to lead the conversation in a way to where uh, the eyes and insight and wisdom was, uh, was being able to be heard and to be able to be shared amongst the group. And so I believe it's a, uh, I talk about how Jesus Christ or how God, what he's doing in my life with it, it gives it an opportunity, gives him an opportunity to swell up. And I, I don't think that's going to get better 
Uh, because there is an enemy out there. You know, you got Satan. Any chance he gets in any situation, any given situation to where he can make you feel one way and me feel another way and keep us separated, you know, he's going back and forth to and fro, and he will accuse you of saying certain things about me and accuse me of saying certain, you know, in our thoughts. But, you know, when we, when, when, when we come together on one accord and pray, it gives God an opportunity to swell up, give God an opportunity to come in and allow us to fellowship and allow God to get the glory and mm. the enemy get defeated again. Yeah, it's good. It's good. One of the things that I thought about a lot in the group for me uh, is, and we've talked about this in the group and then just individually, uh, is, is that sometimes people are hesitant to enter into these kind of conversations, and we need to recognize uh, that oftentimes we're divided, yeah. oftentimes we're, we're separated out of sheer ignorance of one another. Uh, and entering into a conversation like this uh, exposes my ignorance a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of it, just as, you know. <laughs> but it exposes my ignorance, mm -hmm. right? And, and as you're saying, it, it allows God, when I, when I acknowledge that, especially as it relates to cultural stuff, race stuff, when I can acknowledge that, then now I, I'm humble enough to say I don't know all the answers, I don't have everything lined up, and the, God, and the Spirit of God can come in and can convict me, can change me, and can really grow me. And now my ignorance is in the, in the hands of Jesus, and he can do great things with that Absolutely. because he, can, he can, can move in my life and that kind of stuff. And Aaron, you and I have had talk, talks at the, at the boxing gym. I should say Aaron uh, leads the, the ministry downtown line of the boxing soldiers of honor that we're partnering with. And so uh, if, you, if you're going, he looks familiar to me. That's, that's what that is. But you and I have had conversations at the gym about, um, you know, just the aspect of we have to go past that ignorance. We have to be willing to go, I'm not sure if I understand this. Could you help me understand? And that's a starting point. Absolutely. It's a starting point. Uh, we've asked the question, this is only our fifth week. This is coming, today's our fifth Sunday. Uh, this is 10 weeks, so we're smack in the middle of this thing. And, but right away, all, already, we're already at the spot of saying, where do we go from here? Well, we've had some good conversations, we have some good stuff, and this is what I would tell you. Uh, where do you go from here is you start having a conversation, that this is a starting place to acknowledge, humbly acknowledge that you don't know what you don't know, uh, and to allow the Spirit of God and allow some trusted brothers and sisters to build some trust, to build some vulnerability, to share some of those stories, uh, and watch God do a work. Uh, we started the whole group at the very beginning, we said, listen, policies, political stuff, all that stuff is off on the table. We're, we're off of, we're not going to talk about it. That's way over there. We're not going to talk, we're going to talk about our experiences of, of race. We're going to talk about our experiences of culture. We're going to talk about our experiences uh, together, and we're going to see where the conversation leads us. And the conversation, the friendship, the vulnerability, the, the connection that has happened is only something that God could do. Absolutely. Only something that God could do. So I appreciate you guys. Appreciate your willingness to share a little bit in, in the group, but also here in front of everybody. So let me pray for these guys and for the rest, and the worship team will come and, and lead us as our, as our conclusion and response worship uh, song as we go from this morning. So Father, we are humbled by you, humbled to be in this group and in this place where you uh, cultivate hearts of compassion, hearts of desiring to know and to, to experience with one another. Father, I pray for Aaron and for Bill and for their wives and for the other members of our cultural learning group. I pray that you would use these conversations to soften our hearts, 
to become more like you, to see one another, to cross those lines, to, to educate one another, but to love one another well, that we might demonstrate that reality to the world around us. And it would be hopeful. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.